Hello and welcome back, listeners, to a new episode of FF+. Plus. This is our spoiler-free outlet for movie reviews, entertainment recommendations, and discussion. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and with me to talk about a couple of upcoming films on Netflix is my man, Coles Davis. Good evening, everybody. Coles, it's a weekend. It's Saturday night, and here we are, ready to talk about these movies. A- an interesting day for an embargo to lift is a monday morning at like midnight so <laughs> i was like hey we got to get these in because we want to have this out when the embargo lifts and i uh, appreciate you being here man we both got a chance to watch these two movies today um, both of these netflix films they're not both coming out next week one is actually a few weeks away so it's a rather early embargo very different one is a documentary one is an adventure mystery um, and i'm excited to get into them so I figured we would just start with Enola Holmes. This is a movie that will be available on Netflix on September 23rd, so a few weeks away. It stars Millie Bobby Brown of Stranger Things fame, Henry Cavill, who I did not know was in this (laughs) at all until he showed up. I guess I wasn't paying any attention to the poster, by the way. Uh, Sam Claflin, my man from, I know people will probably know him from other things, but for me, he's always going to be related to the Hunger Games. And the great Helena Bonham Carter in a supporting role. This story is by the author of a book series, so this is an adaptation of Nancy Springer's work, and it's directed by Harry Bradbeer. The synopsis is that while searching for her missing mother, intrepid teen Enola Holmes uses her sleuthing skills to outsmart big brother Sherlock and help a runaway lord. All right, man. Well, when I first heard about this, I was like, Enola Holmes. Okay, they're going to make a spin on Sherlock Holmes that's basically Nancy Drew, and this is going to be kind of dumb. I actually signed up for this partially because when I told you about it and you agreed to jump on board to review it, you sounded excited because you like Millie Bobby Brown, which is understandable, great actress. And you also said you really enjoyed Sherlock Holmes stories, which actually I do too. But I guess you probably... I think you were a little more optimistic going into this than maybe I was. So I want to start with this. The film really does flip the script on Sherlock Holmes and this mystery formula. It makes Enola the protagonist. That's the first thing, is that she is truly the protagonist of this film. Henry Cavill and Sam Claflin are 100% supporting characters. They're not there for a vast majority of it. And in doing so, I feel like this story is able to explore issues of the time period that it's set in like women's suffrage and gender roles from a very different angle than we would have ever seen in a Sherlock Holmes story. So how did that approach work for you with this movie? Worked very good. Um, from my aspect, I'm pretty sure you already know before I usually like my films to deal with a certain kind of social commentary. that don't preach to me, but just kind of keep it in there to let me know that there was a different time where there was some there were some groups of people that didn't have rights or groups of people who were kind of marginalized by the larger society. And while women have made a lot of strides in the um, last generations, you know, especially starting in the late 60s, the 1970s, we're still dealing with um, women who are marginalized by sexism, women who are not able to occupy the same rooms that men have been able to do, whether it's from the corporate structural or from the entertainment sector, any other field of life, we still see that women are kind of trailing behind. And I did like in this film that Enola, you know, for me, I felt that this film was going to have almost like a partnership between Enola and Sherlock. That's what I thought when I saw the poster. And when I heard about the story, I was thinking, okay, maybe 
you know, Enola and her brother Sherlock are going to go on adventures and solve mysteries together. But this whole film was centered on just Enola herself, which is very good. I like Millie Bobby Brown in this role. She's showing me that her range, you know, she can do anything. You know, she's not just the girl from Stranger Things. You know, she can impress. You know, she could be very witty. She could be charismatic. You know, I felt that the fourth wall thing that her character did throughout the film, it kind of got gimmicky at certain points, but I, I didn't really mind it too much. You know, it's kind of like we're getting a sense of where Enola is. She's trying to find herself her own identity. You know, she's living in a time where society expected you as a woman to just be good enough to get married by a distinguished gentleman. Like, you need to walk up straight. You need to be able to... I wouldn't even really say that you would be able to have a career because there wasn't a lot, there wasn't a lot of open doors for women back in this day. So it's pretty much just a kind of recommendum on the outdated ideas of society that we still have to this day. And it's like a, a battle against progressive ideas of uh, people who would like to see women have more of a stature, more autonomy, more independence. Enola, this whole film, it's not really just about the mysteries she's trying to solve. It's her trying to find herself and find her identity, you know, not allowing society to put her into a box to where she has to, to fit these certain credentials to be a lady. It's all about, like, her brother, Mycroft, calls her a wild child, which is, he almost means it like a bad thing that, you hey, you need to learn some matters. You need to go and become an actual woman. But she already was her own woman. It's just that something that was radical for that time. I, I I love the um the aspects of the political infrastructure finding its way into this young adult film. Yeah, I I would totally agree. And just you know, it's set in 1884, which was again, it's the height of the women's suffrage movement. Uh, there was actually the Representation of the People Reform Act that plays into this story and the film's mystery in a big way. Uh, Sherlock and Mycroft, I think, are tweaked here in a fun little way. Sherlock is not much different. I mean, he's still a super sleuth as her brother. We just don't really see much of that taking place. And Mycroft, who in Sherlock Holmes lore is often, you know, somewhat of, I wouldn't say a villain, but he definitely is not as friendly as Sherlock can be. And I wouldn't say Sherlock's typically friendly either, but Mycroft uh, plays an interesting role here as almost the antagonist of the film because of the way that he expects, I almost said Millie Bobby Brown, the way that he expects Enola to grow up, like you said, under this very traditional system of what women are expected to be. Um, so I really liked it as well. I thought the social commentary wasn't super strong. It's how I like it. Like you said, kind of baked into the film in a very, you know, measurable way. And it makes sense with the story. I actually thought for me, Colette, it was more about her going on her own path and learning how to live in a way that was true to herself than it is about the mystery. Like the mystery is almost the secondary piece of this film, in my opinion. Um, one thing is it uses this fourth wall breaking narration uh, for Enola when she's talking to the audience, it starts right away and it kind of goes throughout the film where she's telling her story to us and she will often stop and 
explain things to the camera. And I don't mean stop in the sense that everything in the frame just completely pauses, but you know, she'll make a point to the action will drawn onto her character as she zooms in and tells us what her thoughts are or what is happening at that moment. Uh, Did that affect your enjoyment of this at all? Did you feel like it was maybe more, made it more of a young adult film than you would expect? Uh, Did it, did it take away from the story in any way? Yeah, like I said in um, my previous answer to your first question, I did feel that at times it did get a little bit gimmicky. Uh, you know, we have to remember we're living in a world post-Deadpool. Like, And I'm not saying that Deadpool was the first film to ever do fourth wall breaks, but I think after Deadpool you started seeing a lot more films like um, come up with numerous ways to put in fourth wall breaks in a film. Sometimes it works. Other times it comes off very cringy, but I felt that this film is more of a look into Enola's, um, you know, her eternal beliefs, the way she's feeling at a current moment, and she's trying to connect with us um, as a character. I felt actually more connected with her than without the fourth wall breaks. You know, I, it's, it's one thing to get to know a character by seeing them do actions and then they go through different trials and tribulations, but it's another when you have someone who's talking to you throughout the film letting you know like hey I, I know you're out there watching me but you're you're a participant in this you're you're watching me you know grow up like in front of your eyes and towards the end of the film we see a we see something much different from her than we get in the beginning of the film the young adult you know feel of it i really liked it you know uh, it, it's not something that I really recommend for um, my little niece and nephews to watch because towards the end it does get a little bit um dark and um bloody, a little but, violent, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little violent. But the humor, the humor was nice. I really did like um Sherlock um when he goes and starts solving. You know, he's picking up on the pace of Enola throughout the film. You know, with the little hints that he's seeing, the little way he investigates. I love that. It, it did remind me of the Nancy Drew, the Hardy Boys book series I used to read and. I also love the way in which the mystery um, unveiled itself. Um, there's a lot of smoke screens. There's a lot of thrills. There's a lot of twists and turns. There's word games. You know, it felt like almost like Riddler almost, but in a way for Enola and her mother to communicate throughout the film. And I won't really get into the specifics of that because it's part of the mystery plot. But it works very well. I enjoyed everything about it. And I could see this turning into a series. You know, if they really want to pursue it, depending on how well this does, this could be a good series for yeah. uh, um, the young adult crowd. I agree. I really like the ciphers and the wordplay as well, just being a fan of Scrabble letters in general. And so seeing those kind of play out in the way that they do in the film was a lot of fun. And I, I like the young adult feel, too. I would agree. It feels like a later Harry Potter series movie in the way it's got a tone that is it's very adventurous and very bouncy and kind of fun and lighthearted in the beginning and then it hits this little patch of kind of heavy drama towards the end it's it's a decently long film it's like two hours and 10 minutes or two hours and 17 minutes somewhere in there it's longer than you might expect um and there is a dramatic section where it, it starts to kind of get like real heavy uh, and then it pulls out of that and gets back to kind of solving of a mystery and, you know, ends with more fun. But I, I do think you're right. I think it's for older teens uh, would enjoy this quite a bit. And like you, 
I could see this being a really fun series. I mean, it's a series of books. That's where they got it. It's just like Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew and all that stuff. And and it could be a, a ton of fun if they were to continue it. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown, in my opinion, is fantastic here. It's not the kind of role that you're like going to be like, oh, my gosh, Oscars. But she owns it and she completely embodies this character, in my opinion. I didn't see Eleven at all, not just because she has hair. But I didn't think about that character. I I saw her as Enola, and she immediately sold me on this character. And I was all in. And I thought she was just absolutely wonderful. Uh, she's only 16 years old. I did not realize that until I looked it up. But that's awesome, because it makes her eligible for our Seattle Film Critics Society Best Youth Performance category. Because they've got to be under age 18, I believe, at the time of filming. So I went and I immediately penciled her in there as someone to think about come nomination time. And yeah, I mean, this is awesome. It's a, it's a free movie, a fun, adventurous mystery. And, and it's a Netflix hit, in my opinion. It's not a, a hit not being like, hey, it's going to be Roma awards worthy. But hit, I think this is the kind of movie that usually does well on Netflix. And everybody's going to want to watch it. You know, people are going to tell their friends about it. Be, hey, did you check out that fun little mystery movie on Netflix? It's that kind of film. So I'm pretty high on it, man. I, I was really pleasantly surprised. Yeah, it's one of my biggest surprises of the year. Um, a very, very good film. And also, I wanted to get on a little bit of the sidebar real quick. You know, being a good film is not a bad thing. You know, in this day and age, when you call a film good, a lot of people like to say, oh, are you calling it average? Or are you saying it's just okay? Like, no, sometimes being a good film is enough. Sometimes I, I don't need you to always hit for the Oscars or to, like, give me something I'm going to think about 10 years down the line. Sometimes I just need to have fun, enjoyable, and um, a cherished time, and this delivered it. Yep, 100% agree, man, 100%. And again, this is going to be available on Netflix September 23rd, so mark your calendars, free up a little bit of time on that weekend, and definitely check it out. Well, after a brief pause on our end, audience, you're not going to know what's happened, but we decided to try and fix Kalesa's audio. He had a little bit of cackle going on there, but we think we figured it out. So apologies for that, but I think it'll be all right going forward for us to talk about our next film. And this is a Netflix documentary uh, that will be available on September the 9th. It is from director Jeff Orlowski, who made Chasing Ice and Chasing Coral, two very good Netflix documentaries that I highly recommend. The synopsis is this. We tweet, we like, and we share. But what are the consequences of our growing dependence on social media? As digital platforms increasingly become a lifeline to stay connected, Silicon Valley insiders reveal how social media is pro reprogramming civilization by exposing what's hiding on the other side of your screen. So, Coalesce, this movie, this documentary, is essentially a whole bunch of former programmers and executives at tech companies like Google, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, etc., telling us how the sausage is made. They are discussing the ins and outs of what the original intent of some of these social media platforms was and how they have evolved, mainly because of financial desires to make money, because that is what businesses are all about, and have become this completely different thing where the intent no longer matters because it's now a tool that can be used by anyone to 
twist and manipulate and control population and user base. I don't even know necessarily where to start with this. So I, I wanted to ask, I guess, general thoughts on this. And, you know, was there anything that you learned? I will say I went into this and I feel like I knew a whole bunch of this information. I, I just intuitively knew, like I'm fully aware that my brain is being programmed by social media. Uh, you know, the things that I see are being fed to me via algorithms and such. And yet here I am still using it without any issues whatsoever. I'm acting like I just decide to ignore that. Um, so it was less about, I think, learning for me and more about hearing it described in such a pointed way that made it feel more real. And it played out kind of like a horror movie to me. And I wondered if it did something similar to you. Like, did it hit you hard? What did you learn? hard because I could understand, you know, how somebody can easily become addicted to social media. I used to be that person. Um, I've even had conversations with you in the past before where we talked about like, hey, um, my engagement and my likes on Twitter have went down. Like, what's going on? What's wrong with me? But when I took a step back, I kind of looked at myself. I was thinking like, you know, why am I looking for this um, validation? Why am I looking to trying to please people, you know, who are sitting behind a screen just like I'm doing. You know, we think of social media as a, a, a tool for us to be connected, and it is. You know, social media has done a lot of great things. You know, it has um, spread awareness. I mean, it has done wonders for the um, new Black for the Black Lives Matter movement this year, and it has done wonders in people, keeping people aware about what's going on. But also, there is another caveat to this. There's a darker side to this, and social media is also an easy place where disinformation can thrive. Um, we see with this with the coronavirus pandemic this year how people have become convinced that the virus is not real based on things that they're seeing on social media. And the creators, it, seeing the creators and inventors and the founders of some of these companies talking, they came in with, to this with good intentions. They came in wanting to allow people to not feel lonely, you know, allow people to connect with people who are living far away. And while it has done that, they just didn't realize that there's a big negative with this is that now we have people who are dependent on the likes, the retweets, the comments that they're getting on social media. People are judging their self-image, their self-worth. Their self-esteem is being lowered because they're seeing – they may see pictures from their friends or they may see um, things, places that they can't go to or things that they see other people buy. And it's like, why did I not buy that? It it makes you want to compare yourself to people when you know that you shouldn't. Like there have been times where I've looked at myself being on Facebook and everything and I'll post something and then I see it doesn't get any likes. And then I'll refresh the page again to see if I get more likes. Then I'll come back to it to see. And it's, and it's all about keeping you on. It's all about keeping you invested in a timeline and a bunch and scrolling, just constantly scrolling until your, your finger hurts. And it's, and it's really bad because it's affecting our children even more now. Now we have children who are being raised and born under, you know, the uh, looking at the glare of a screen constantly. My nieces and nephews, I'm seeing them whenever I go to visit them. They got their heads buried in a tablet or they got their heads buried in a phone. And I don't even think five or six year olds even have smartphones because that that's a recipe for disaster. So for me, I didn't really learn nothing new because, you know, I do a lot of reading. I do a lot of research. So I knew mostly of how bad social media can be. But this was 
deeper because it really got into the nooks and crannies of it and how AI has become something that not even us humans can control. You know, it's like the movies from the 80s and 90s were warning us that, you know, AI, eventually robots, technology is going to take over and control all of us. Well, it's doing it right now. And this documentary shines a spotlight on that. Yeah, it really does. And the the way in which this doc is made is that it uses interviews of the former execs and developers um, and it, it tells all of these stories. So it, it doesn't stick just to one thing. And that's one thing I really enjoyed about it is it's pretty all encompassing. I feel like, you know, it hits on the idea of advertising in a big way. A big part of this is about how even though we see these as free use platforms, everything about them is meant to change our opinions and our views so that we become the product because it's not even about selling us something per se. They're selling us clicks. They're not selling us clicks. They're selling clicks. So the advertising money that is there just because we are a target for it is the important thing to them. It's not necessarily about how much we relate to the advertising. Sure, that's going to additionally help and bring in more advertising money, but it's all about just finding the thing that matters to us. It's why when I'm scrolling through Facebook, I could have Googled, you know, something five minutes earlier and that thing is going to be in a Facebook ad. It is creepy. And going into the, the, you know, nooks of how that happens is fascinating to me in this documentary, but it's also scary as heck. Um, they talk about growth hacking and how they use that for psychology to get users to do what you want them to do. There's a section of this that talks about the correlation between suicide rate and social media usage related very much so to what you were just talking about, that desire, that dopamine rush that we get from needing those likes and needing that validation, which is awful. Um, and then it talks about some conspiracy theories. It's of the time, so it brings up coronavirus, and it talks about how those can grow based on social media sharing to the point where... There was a quote in this that struck me. One of the guys said, fake news on Twitter travels six times faster than the truth because fake news is boring. The or Sorry, because real news is boring. And it, so it just talks about, it doesn't preach to you about what a conspiracy theory is right or wrong. It just says, this is how something goes from one person making a video because they're bored and just making something up to it becoming viewed millions upon millions of times and now you have this whole group and this whole subset of people that believe the earth is flat or you know for example um and then it also talks about the power of facebook as a manipulation tool that can be used by governments for controlling population that sounds like a real high-ended like sci-fi you know dystopian kind of idea but the way that they show it in this is utterly believable it makes perfect sense and again, it's very scary. You told me this was kind of like watching a horror movie. <laughs> and I have to agree. The format of this, like I said, it was interviews, but it's also intercut with this ongoing dramatization of a family who is struggling with the addictions of technology. And the, the story of the family sort of parallels the documentary's different topics that it's covering all the way through to the end did that do anything for you do you think that like enhanced your learning or was it more distracting 
I found it very weird. I, I was thinking like, okay, like, is this going to be like a movie or is this trying to be a documentary, but they're trying to have this little sidebar um, movie coming out. I, I found it a little bit distracting. Um, you know, the acting is very phoned in, you know, um, and, and it kind of does get a little bit ridiculous with its scenarios, but it, the point of it is that it's trying to show, you know, in the real world um, application, how, you know, we're, how we're followed by social media all day. I mean, you see the um, kid, you know, the teenager with his phone, you know, he's, um, they're showing you how the AI is getting him to get back on his phone. Like they're showing you, okay, he's not paying attention to this. So you know what? Let's bring up this ad or, Hey, um, he's watching these videos. So let's um, subscribe from something else. Let's also throw in some rallies for him. You know, we're seeing in real time what this does to us. And it's, it's so weird and surreal to me, not because it's not real, but because I've been through this. Uh, I, I've seen this happen for myself, and I didn't realize what was going on. Um, Casey, what you just said before about how you can go and search on Google for something, and then all of a sudden you'll see the ad for it on Facebook. I kid you not. Three weeks ago, I subscribed for a one-week free trial to Marvel Unlimited, the comic books app, because I needed to do a podcast on a comic book. Um, and so I immediately went and canceled the free trial after it was done. Then I go into my YouTube and I'm getting constant ads and I'm still getting them to this day of Marvel Unlimited, the Marvel Unlimited app. It's like, okay, we understand that you did this, but we want you to come back. We're trying to get you to come back. We're trying to bring you back in. And that's what social media is. Social media is not something that the engineers and the programs behind it, they're trying to keep you on as long as possible. So it's not something to where like you can see something real quick. Or and just put it down and leave about it for the rest of the day. Most people don't have that real power because, like it says in the doc, social media is a drug. It's a new drug. Um, users, there was a great quote that they showed. My favorite quote yeah. in the documentary. It says there are only two industries in the world that use the term user for their customers, and it's illegal drugs and software. And I was like, that was a supreme mic drop right there. I mean, let's think about it. I mean... Most people revolve their life around just being on Twitter or being on Instagram and posting a lot of stuff, you know, all day. I've seen it. I've seen people that I follow who are constantly posting updates like almost every hour. It's like, well, are you or what are you doing? Are you going outside? Like, uh, why do I need to see your whole documentation of your your day to day? Uh, I mean, it, it makes me kind of worried because we're also seeing that suicide rates are going up for kids and children who are judging themselves based on what they see from these timelines. If they see somebody is going out with somebody, then they like, oh, well, I don't have a boyfriend or girlfriend. I, I mean, what am I doing wrong? Or they see people who are getting new houses, new cars, and they're like, well, my, my car's kind of old, you know? And, I mean, it just, it leads into a, into a ever vested self-fulfilling kind of rabbit hole into depression into um you know constantly feeling bad about yourself when if you just if you went off and turn off the screen and went outside everything's actually pretty good and after this after this documentary i actually went and read some articles about people who had to leave the social media accounts and all of them say the same thing my life got exponentially better you know i didn't have to feel like i was being dragged down by having to worry about what someone is posting or worried about if people are going to remember who i am or worried about the likes and retweets i get so it's almost like there's two different worlds there's a real world and then there's the internet and the internet is now almost becoming the real world for a lot of people yeah it's the matrix 
you know, they even make that correlation at the end of this film. At one point, they very pointedly have some visuals that make it appear and they bring up the matrix and talk about the fact that, you know, once you're in there, that's, that's kind of the goal of social media. That's what they want. And it's not because they want the world to be a bunch of mindless people. It's because they want to make money. (laughs) That's it. It all boils down to that. It all boils down to these companies who want to make money. And that's why these things are the way they are. And I love how they call it out that, you know, yes, there are positives to social media, connecting with loved ones, staying informed, especially during a pandemic. But the staying informed part, even they, they have a section of this that really hits at that. Like I said, the fake news concept and truth. One of the other big pull quotes from this that landed for me was just talking about how when there is no truth, when we are making up our own truth because we're just sharing the things and seeing the thing that we want to believe without any sort of fact checking because it's just happening over and over on social media because it's there. So it must be true. At what point do we erode as a society? Because there's no baseline for the, for us to agree with. You know, I've been actually telling my friends for years and not like I go out of my way to say this, but people have, have mentioned, you know, um, the way that the world is falling apart and especially America is just getting more and more conflicted people with each other. And one of the people in this documentary actually said that they are most fearful of a civil war. I've thought that same thing. I've been like, you know, that's where I feel like we're headed because social media allows us to live in a bubble where we don't see anything except inundated by the thing that we believe already and that we want to believe. And we can just easily cut everything out that challenges that. And so I, I love the way that this documentary shows that. Um, and, you know, do you think it's essential for kids? Would you say teenagers should watch this with their parents? Um, very essential, more so for the parents than the kids. Because um, what we're seeing is that a lot of parents are allowing technology to raise their kids. Um Especially during this time of the pandemic where a lot of families are inside the home, you know, usually kids are at school during this time of the year. You know, the parents get be able are able to go to work or they're able to be home and not have to worry about the kids for a certain set of hours. But now that kids are either staying home, you know, um, remote learning or whatnot, now we're seeing that a lot of parents are they're letting their kids become, you know, very invested in a screen because it keeps them quiet. You know, it keeps them from being too rowdy or too bad. I've seen from my nieces and nephews that if if their mother or their father takes away the phone or tablet from them, they start crying. They start throwing temper tantrums. They start going wild. And then eventually the, the, the parent who's probably already dead tired, you know, from working and, you know, the willpower's not that strong, they're going to give in to that child. And it's not really exactly the child's fault. It's just the effect of the social media and the internet has on that child's brain that's still developing, that is what's causing the problem. So I would say that parents and kids should sit down and watch this room together and both sides can become educated. Both the parents and the kids can become educated because a lot of parents don't realize how bad social media is. I mean, they only see Facebook for what it is, is I talk to my aunt, you know, who lives in Georgia, you know, so I keep in contact with her or I'm able to stay up on my friend's birthdays. But they're not also seeing the um, constant fake news and the constant propaganda and, you know, just the um, the rabbit hole that you can go down to that can radicalize that can radicalize somebody mm-hmm. into being, you know, um, a white supremacist or someone who could be an anti-mask or an anti-vaccine person. 
Yep. Yep. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And, and it hits home. I think I, I texted my ex-wife and I was like, I originally, when I first started watching it and said, Hey, I want you to watch this with the kids. If you have them over the weekend that it releases, cause I have two teenagers who are 17 and 15 and I think that they need to see it. And then going into this documentary, there's a part in that narrated, 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 not narrated, dramatized, drama, I can't talk. There's a part in the dramatized section where one of the characters, a boy, actually is so addicted to watching his YouTube videos that he doesn't go to soccer practice. And my son played soccer, select soccer for 10 plus years and all of a sudden kind of quit a couple years ago or actually a year ago now. He just decided he was done, but it eroded as he became addicted to YouTube videos and his video games. And so I was like, my God, like this is an exact situation that I have experienced. Uh, and so I just love the way that it, it really shows that. I mean, it, this is, it, it shows you a lot of different things that I think people can relate to. And, and I agree. I think learning wise, this is what that, it's a buzzword, but it's essential that people watch this and, you know, get informed and I'm not leaving social media. I'm not suddenly going to stop letting my kids have cell phones. Many of the former execs in this talk about the fact that they don't allow technology in their homes now because of what they know, which is terrifying. The, the people that built it, like won't even let their kids have cell phones. That tells you a lot. Uh, but you know, I'm, I need to be aware of it. I need to know why it's happening and what is happening so that I can try and combat that to some extent. And I think that that's important for people. I also want to recommend that people watch through the end credits. It's a pretty free flowing thing, so it doesn't really stop and then restart, but there is constant interviews that are going on through the end credits that I found were a lot of help. There are people who are giving applicable tips for what you can do that can help limit your intake and deal with some of the problems that social media can cause. And I actually kind of thought that that should have been in the documentary once I watched it. Cause I was like, this is really, really good information. And here it is during the credits and people might not watch it. And then there's also like a really fun little joke at the very end that I think is worth getting a chuckle out of. So yeah, I would, I would definitely say watch this, watch it with your teens, September 9th on Netflix. It's right there. It's easily accessible. There's no real excuse not to. It moves fast. It's entertaining the whole way through. Great documentary. Coles, where can people find you? <laughs> this feels terrible. Like the next section is me asking where people can find you on social media. I just realized like how ironic this is at this moment. But yeah, uh, you know, if people are going to use social media because they haven't watched this yet and been turned off, <laughs> where can they find you to chat? Find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterbox.com as Black Nerd Magic. You can find me on Facebook as Coles Davis, my real name. And you can also check out some reviews I've written for Drilling Film and also Victims and Villains. And also, if you're going to use social media, um, just be responsible about it. You know, I, I feel that this um doc is not asking for anybody to necessarily quit or erase anything, but just be aware and just also just be able to live in reality. You know, great advice, man. Great advice. Go give Coles all of those likes so that he will be validated as a person. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. I will talk to you soon. Until next time, listeners, enjoy. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. 
These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter, at Phil, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places, and I'd love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter, but be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling film.